Thank you very much. This is sure a high pulpit. <laughs> Made for a tall fella. I think of a... Dr. Carroll was a little short man, and he went to Boston to speak in a church, and the pastor there was a big tall fella. His chin just got right over the top of the pulpit, and he took as his text, Be not afraid, it is I. We tonight are going to take a Bible study. It's like the young man that was proposing to his girlfriend. He made quite an eloquent speech, and he uh, uh, concluded it by saying, I do not have a Cadillac like Harry, and I do not have a yacht like Harry, but I love you. She says, I love you too. But tell me more about Harry. <laughs> and, and we're going to hear more about Harry tonight. That is Bible study. And I count it a privilege to be here to talk to so many young people, and especially those that are interested in Bible study. I rejoice today that the new interest that there is, I spoke to the uh, sorority and and the fraternity out at UCLA this past year, the Christian uh, fraternity and sorority, and they had invited in the the, the uh, fraternities from the other schools in California, and they had this banquet, and they asked, would I come an hour early so they could ask me questions? And the question that they asked me, the, more than any other, it was the first question was the last question. And it is, do you believe that a church that calls itself a Bible church, that that church ought to teach the whole Bible or call itself something else? That any church that calls itself a Bible church ought to teach the whole Bible. And I hadn't heard it put that way before, but I had to agree with him. And I'm afraid that today... That, uh, you, you know, in a, you wouldn't have a school, you know, of science and say, well, we are gonna teach everything here except mathematics. We just don't like mathematics and we'll not be teaching that. That would be quite silly. But imagine a Bible church saying, we don't like Nahum or Zechariah or some of those other books, so we won't be teaching them. I have a notion if God wanted to leave out a little book of Nahum, he would have left it out, but he didn't. And so we have 66 books, and I've worked on that theory all along that we ought to have all the books and ought to teach all the books. And that's the reason that we do it on the radio is because we claim to be a Bible teacher, and if we can't teach every book of the Bible, then... We're not a Bible teacher. That's the way I look at it. Now, we tonight want to let you know something about the Through the Bible radio, what it's doing, and also what we're doing overseas especially. And we have a, a multimedia that tells that story, and it tells it lots better than any of us can tell it. And Mr. Olson, who is my associate now in the Through the Bible Radio, will introduce that multimedia for you tonight. And so I'm going to turn this part of the service over to Mr. Olson. Thank you, Dr. McGee. It's certainly a joy to be with you folks tonight and to share with you what the Lord is doing through the Through the Bible Radio ministry. The Lord today has given us a very powerful tool, and that's the little transistor radio, because as you go throughout the world, you see this little transistor radio. For 22 years, uh, I served the Lord with uh, Transworld Radio, a missionary organization with radio stations throughout the world, and it was back in 1971 when I went through California. I stopped by to see Dr. McGee. I said, Dr. McGee, we'd like to take your program and have it translated into the Spanish language. At first he wasn't very sure about it, but then after a while he said, all right, let's do it. And the reason we wanted the program was because many were being saved in Latin America, 
And then the cult groups would come in because the people were not founded in the Word of God. And we took the program through the Bible program, put it into the Spanish language, and today it's translated into some 25 different languages going throughout the world. We could tell you many stories. You'll hear some letters, excerpts tonight in the multimedia. But when we think of India, just a couple of weeks ago, Mr. Murti, the gentleman who does the Telugu broadcast for us, came by the, my office in Pasadena, and he said, I've just completed the five-year study through the Bible. And he said, as I got to the end of Revelation, he said, I just bowed my head and wept because I realized what the program had done for me personally. And then as I've been out and as I've been speaking to people, he said, a short while ago I was out and there were 40,000 in the congregation. And he said, I asked how many listened to the broadcast. He said, almost every hand went up. These people were listening. He said, I get between 200 and 250 letters a day in response to the broadcast. But he said, when you consider that probably 60 to 70 percent of the audience is illiterate, that is a tremendous response. And so the Lord is working, and many are coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. The Lord has commanded us to take the word to the ear gate. And then the Holy Spirit takes over where he enlightens and brings convictions to the hearts and lives of men and women. And we're so thankful that we can have a part. It's exciting when we think of the world. So much of the world is closed to missionary work, but the radio is getting through and that transistor has just opened up the entire world. And the entire world really is an open door to us today. We just thank the Lord for it. And without any further word, we'll go to the multimedia. Did you like that multimedia? Well, it tells it uh, far better than we are able to tell it, and yet you, we only showed actually very little of the different languages that we are in. But we did uh, show something of, of the land in India and in China, and I understand those are the two pastor tells me that you're very much interested in. We believe that today that they are the greatest places to go. In India, there is a revival going on, and in parts of Africa, there's a revival going on. Now, we've been able to send literally thousands of Bibles into China, but the, the curtain is going up again, or coming down, whichever way it moves. And it's not going to be too long before we'll not be able to send Bibles into China because they cannot grant freedom in a communist country to Christianity. And that's a very interesting thing. Christianity and communism cannot live side by side. And so in China, they'll eventually close the door. But we want to have as many Bibles in there as we possibly can and to have reached as many people as we are, know we are reaching for a survey has been made of the house churches in China. And many of those churches are using our program for their service and certainly for their Bible teaching. And your pastor has very graciously given us permission tonight to take an offering, and that offering will go to the foreign broadcast that goes into India and that we go in there in five different languages, by the way, and we go into China and the Mandarin uh, Chinese, and we are able to reach actually uh, one-fourth of the population of the world is in China today, one billion people. What an opportunity it is, and we want to get the Word of God to it. Now, I'm afraid the church in this country, we're getting so satisfied with ourselves that we are forgetting what's out yonder today, and that our commission is, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And we believe that that's the business that the church ought to be interested in today. I'm going to ask the ushers here if they'll come forward to receive an offering from you this evening. And I'll just lead and rejoice in the privilege that we have today of getting the Word of God out to people that would not hear it unless the, we send it by radio. Missionaries cannot go to many of these places. We pray, therefore, that you'll bless the gift 
and the giver in this act of worship, and that we might indeed reach these different individuals in these different countries with the word of God in their own language. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. To turn this evening to the third chapter of the Gospel of John, and I want to speak to you on the subject of a perplexed Pharisee in the presence of the Savior. And since the third chapter of the Gospel of John begins back in the second chapter, verse 23, I want to begin reading there. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them, because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water, and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Now, for brevity's sake, I'll break off the reading at that particular juncture. I hope to go be just a little bit farther than that. This is the meeting of the Lord Jesus Christ, with this very prominent Pharisee in Jerusalem, and it took place the first time that the Lord came to Jerusalem after he began his ministry. He had cleansed the temple, he had performed miracles, he had healed, and we are told here that many believed on him. Now. I'll be very frank with you, that would have been enough for me. I would have reported them as converts, but they were not converts. They are like some converts that some of us report today. They're not genuine at all. And you wonder why. Many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. He does not want faith in him because of the miracles that he performed at all. I read a very profound statement uh, recently by a man, at, uh, a psychologist at Boston University. He says, when men turn away from God, they begin to believe in miracles. Think that over for a while. We're living in a day when men are actually getting away from God, but they're talking about miracles. Have you noticed that? God's been moved into the background. And the Lord Jesus is not, uh, uh, well, he's not even mentioned, but the point is, have you had a miracle? And we're always talking about miracles. Well, the Lord Jesus, we're told here, did not commit himself. That is, he did not believe in them. They believed in him because of the miracles. They wanted to be fed every day. Uh, they, they wanted to get in the bread line. They wanted the miracles. They didn't want him. And may I say to you, there's only one way that the Lord Jesus will come into your life, and that's not through your tummy. It'll have to be through your heart. That's the only way in the world that he'll come into your life. It's through the heart. So the miracles were not the thing that was all important. The very interesting thing is that he made it clear. 
that he didn't come to perform miracles. He, he didn't come as a wonder worker, a thaumaturgist, or even a teacher. He said, the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. He came to die on the cross. And when he had accomplished that, he went back to heaven. And by the way, that's the gospel. Uh, the gospel is all about Jesus. We've made it a church today, and we've made ceremonies, and we've got rules and regulations. Christianity is Christ, and it's what he has done, not what you have done. And you become a Christian because of what he's done, and it hasn't anything to do with what you've done. He's done it for us, and he asked you and me to do one thing, that's to believe him. God has the world today shut up to a cross, and he's not asking but one question of the lost world. He says, what will you do with my son who died for you? And friend, until you answer that question, he's not talking. He hasn't anything to say to you. Until you answer that question, what do you do with Jesus? He sent him into the world to die. And when he accomplished that, he went back to heaven. He said, I've come forth from the Father. I'm coming to the world. Again, I'll leave the world and I'll go to the Father. What did he do? I died on the cross, rose again, and that's the gospel. Paul says that's the gospel, and nothing else is the gospel but that. Now, Jesus did not commit himself. He did not believe them. They were not genuine at all. And because he knew all men, and this is something that's quite interesting. When you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, you come just as you are. You cannot put up a front for him. And you can't, you cannot, you cannot give an imitation for him. He'll deal with you just as you are. And we're going to see him do that now. Will you notice it says here, and he needed not that any should testify of man. He didn't need witnesses to come and tell him, say, those fellows that believed on you, they just want to see the miracles and they want to get the benefits of that. They're not interested in you or your salvation. He didn't need any witness to tell him that. He needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. And now, without any break, and there should not be that chapter break there, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews that came to Jesus by night. Now, that man stands away from that crowd. And may I say to you, this man, Nicodemus, was genuine. When he came to the Lord Jesus, he was genuine, and he's different than that crowd, because that crowd was not genuine. But this man also came wearing a mask, and uh, the Lord Jesus is going to remove the mask that this man is wearing. In fact, the matter is, this man, Nicodemus, had two masks that he wore, and the Lord Jesus is going to tear both of them off. And then he's going to deal with him. In other words, he's going to finally deal with plain little old Nicky. But until the, he gets the mask off, he'll not be dealing with him. Now, this man came to Jesus by night, we're told. And don't find fault with him for coming at night. Now, the Lord Jesus was there for the first time. He was busy. Nicodemus, as a ruler of the Jews and as a Pharisee, he was busy, and the best time when they would have time to talk was at night, and so he came at night. It's not because he's a coward or anything like that. It, we'll see he's not a coward, and th this man didn't come at night for that reason. If you're blaming him for coming at night, then you're going to have to find fault with the, uh, with the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper was not instituted at 11 o'clock morning service in church. The, the, the Lord's Supper was instituted upstairs near midnight in a private home in a room up there. That's where it was instituted. Uh, I tried to put the Lord's Supper on the radio. I never had so much criticism in my life. And you know where it came from? From people who said, well, Dr. McGee, don't you know it must be in church and it must be observed by those who have the authority. 
What nonsense. May I say to you, look in that upper room. Uh, and those 12 men there, and they're scared to death in the upper room. Uh, the cross, the shadow of that cross has already fallen athwart that little group, and they're frightened. And the Lord Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper up there. That's where it was instituted. So don't find fault with Nicodemus for coming to the Lord Jesus by night. Now, there are three things said about this man, and that's the amazing thing about the Holy Spirit. He can give you a biography with three statements, and uh, we like to write a book. I, I enjoy reading biography. I've been reading one recently that I wish the man had shortened it up a little because he really didn't have much to say. And, but he, he, he made it, he filled it out with words. And so, but you only have three things said here. There was a man of the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were a group that arose during the time of the, between the Testament period, between the Old and New Testaments. They came out of the captivity. When they returned from the captivity, these men arose as patriots. They were fundamentalists. As, and they were a religio-political party. As a religious party, they were fundamentalists. They believed in miracles. They believed in the integrity of the Old Testament. And they believed in the resurrection. But as, they, as politicians, they wanted to throw off the yoke of Rome and establish again the Davidic kingdom to have the Davidic kingdom established again. And he came to the Lord Jesus that night, I think, to talk about that. We'll see that in a minute. He, that he's a man of the Pharisees. He's one of the, the leaders of that day, and I think the outstanding one, because I think when they met, they said, Look, this new prophet has come down from Galilee, the people are following him. He's definitely performing miracles. If we could just hitch our wagon onto his star now, we could go places, and maybe we could throw off the yoke of Rome. And that's the reason Nicodemus came to him that night, I'm sure, was to talk about that. That was what he had in mind. Now, the third thing that is said here about him, uh, that he's a ruler of the Jews. As a ruler of the Jews, that meant that he represented, again, the Sanhedrin. He represented those that were the leaders in Israel at that particular time. And then his name was Nicodemus, and we'll see that in just a moment also. Now, this man functioned in those three capacities. There were times when he wore the mask of a Pharisee. There were times when he rode, wore the mask of a ruler of the Jews. You could see that man when he would go in and meet with the other Pharisees. I think many of them called him Nicky. They, they knew him well, you know. And they, they could talk to him, and he was open with them. But when he walked out on the street, he, he puts on the mask of the ruler of the Jews. And people step off the sidewalk to let him by. And as he comes by, one points to him and says to the other one there, says, you know, that's, that's Nicodemus. He's one of our rulers here. He's outstanding. Now, the, the fellows that were Pharisees thought they knew him. And also, the people, when he went down the street, thought they knew him. But that none of them really knew this man. Now, he came to Jesus by night. The Lord Jesus is going to take off both of his masks, and then he's going to deal with plain little old Nicky. And when he deals with him, he deals with him as he'll deal with you and me, just as we are without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come. That's where you come to him. No other basis can you come to him. Don't take off your mask. Now, he came, notice, what mask he's wearing. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, our teacher, we know 
Who in the world is we? Pharisees. We Pharisees, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Now, he's sincere. He's honest. If he hadn't been, the Lord Jesus would have, would have called attention to that. Later on, when the, the uh, students of the Pharisees came uh, to him, he, you remember what he said to them, Ye hypocrites, why have you come? But th th this man's genuine. Our Lord never called him a hypocrite. He's genuine. But he's wearing that mask of the ma man of the Pharisees. We know that thou art a teacher come from God. Because no man can do the miracles that thou doest. Was the Lord Jesus doing miracles in that day? Yes. Uh, how do you know it? Well, the enemy said so. The Pharisees all admitted that he did. It's very interesting that the enemy threw at him everything they possibly could. But there's one thing the enemy never did question in his lifetime, and that was his miracles. Do you know why? Uh, we have a record of just a few of them. Instead of a half a dozen blind men having their eyes open, did you know that in that land after three years, there probably were several thousand blind that had, had their eyes opened by the Lord Jesus? A man would be a fool to deny miracles with that going on. And I'll accept any miracle worker today if he'll bring me thousands of blind people that he's opened their eyes. But they don't have that many. He had that many. They could say, we know your teacher. No man, that's the enemy speaking, can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And instead of just a few cripples being made to walk, there were several thousand in that land. That was the thing that they could not ignore. You have to wait 2,000 years and get in a swivel chair in a musty library in New York City at Union Seminary and sit down and write a book that you don't believe in miracles, but you don't know. You feel like saying what that comedian used to say, were you there, Charlie? These men, Nicodemus was there. He says he performed miracles, and I don't know, I like his explanation lots better than I do the man in union. Uh, I think the Lord Jesus performed miracles because we're told here that he did, and this man, the enemy, said that he did. Now notice what the Lord Jesus is going to do to him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily. Now when the Lord Jesus starts out that way, he's going to have something to say. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, singular, uh, I'm not talking to we, uh, I'm talking to thee. Uh, I say unto thee, to, to you, I'm talking to you, Nicodemus, take off your mask, except a man be born. Now, our translation is again. And Jimmy Carter didn't help us by that word either, I'll tell you. He got it so that it was more or less laughed at. Well, I'm glad that it really doesn't mean again. The Greek word is anothen, and it means from above. He's what the Lord Jesus says here is this, except a man be born from above, spiritual birth. And you see, Nicodemus missed that because he thought it was a second birth down here, but the Lord made it clear. He said, from above, a spiritual birth. Forgive me for having to take a drink so often, but I'll tell you why I have to do that. About three years ago, I went to my doctor and I told him I was having pains. He says, you have arthritis. And I said, well, I thought only old people had arthritis. <laughs> and he, he said to me, he says, that's right. <laughs> and he gave me some pills, and he told me to take the pills. Now, the pills do not cure arthritis. And to tell the truth, they don't even help arthritis. <laughs> but they sure do make you thirsty. <laughs> and so... I. I 
I was introduced up at Word of Life camp this uh, past summer, last summer, and as a windmill that's run with water. And so I, I'd ha have to do that, and you'll forgive me, I trust. Now, he says, except a man be born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And here goes the mask of the, of the Pharisee. Nicodemus saith unto him, listen to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Boy, did he miss it. He is, he's way out in left field. He, he doesn't even grasp at all that it's a spiritual birth. And our Lord said, born from above. Now, the, the Lord Jesus, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, I, want to, I don't want to labor the point tonight, but I do want to at least say what I think the water means, and there's been always a great deal of controversy about that. Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. There are those as the denomination that believe in what's known as baptismal regeneration, that you cannot be born again until you've been immersed. You have to be baptized that baptism is a part of salvation, and uh, uh, the rest of us believe that baptism is something that is performed for people who've already been saved, that it's a testimony of those that have been saved, that their sins are washed away, that they are now a new creation and joined to the living Christ. But uh, there are those that believe that. Then there are some that said, that it means the natural birth, that that birth is in water, in the womb. But that's been exploded. That's not exactly accurate at all. So that what does it really mean? Well, may I say to you, and I do want to urge this point, except a man be born of water, water here is the word of God. It, except a man be born of, of the Word of God and of the Spirit. You see, how is a person born again today? It's when someone takes the Word of God and will use the Word of God. And I take the position nobody can be born again apart from the Word of God. You remember uh, Peter put it like this, born again not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God that liveth and abideth forever. The word of God is essential. It's when the Holy Spirit takes the word of God. You see, the only track for the Holy Spirit to run on today is the word of God. If you think he's wandering around here in space, you're wrong. He, he only runs on the track of the word of God. And when you get away from the word of God, He's not working. Uh, he works through the Word of God. So that today when a man of God will take the Word of God by the Spirit of God and give it to a lost person, then that person can become a son of God by the new birth, born of the Word and of the Spirit. Now, the Word of God is, is called water and is used as a uh, that which cleans us up. You remember the Lord Jesus said in his high priestly prayer, he says, you're clean through the word which I preach on. The best bar of soap is not ivory. It's the word of God. That's the best bar of soap there is. May I, may I say to you, and it, in John 17, 17, he said, says there, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. How are you sanctified? How are you, how are you cleansed? You're cleansed by the Word of God. The Word of God cleanses. And as Peter put it, you're born again not by corruptible seed, incorruptible. The Word of God is what the Spirit of God can use to make you a son of God. And again, Paul said to a young preacher, it's not by works of righteousness, which we've done, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration. What does the washing? Here is, the, here is that which does the washing. 
washing of regeneration. When the Spirit of God takes the Word of God, then a Son of God can come into existence. That is the thing that is absolutely necessary. It's when these two come together uh, that, that a birth can come into being, when the Spirit of God will take the Word of God and use it. And I personally have, uh, used to do this when I was a young preacher, first became pastor of church at the open door. If I heard a testimony of anybody that said they were saved by hearing a song, I made a beeline for them after the service. And I said, I want to know about that song. And I have never found yet one person that was ever saved by the song. The song was the motivating force that caused them to go forward. I went. Well, I had a man uh, one evening service, got up, gave his testimony that he heard this song, and it, and it was the song that his mother had sung, and it uh, motivated him to accept Christ that night. And I went back and talked to him. I said, was it uh, that song that brought you to Christ? Oh, no. He says, that song reminded me of my mother, and my mother used to give me John 3.16, and I wouldn't listen to it. But I listened that to it that night. It was John 3.16 that brought him to the Lord, but the song gave the motivation. And don't misunderstand me. I believe in music, and, and it has its place. Of course it does. But... If people are born by the Word of God. The Word of God must be used. Somebody says, you are laboring that point. Well, I guess I am. Uh, but I'm going to move on now. Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now he gives the reason for this. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That which is born of the flesh, it's flesh. Always will be flesh. Never be anything but flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit, and that's what it'll be, always the Spirit. And that's the reason it's necessary. Because you and I are of the flesh. We have an old nature. And I don't know about you, when I was born, I was born very ignorant. I did not know my ABCs even. I had to be sent to school. I was taught my ABCs. And something else I was taught was manners. They're not taught today, but, they, uh, but I was taught manners, you know. And uh, uh, I used to run into the house with my cap on, and my mother would say, Now, Vernon, we have company. Take off your cap. You're in the house. And then I'd take off my cap, you know. And I didn't like to do it then, but it started a habit. And so even when I get on an elevator today, if I'm wearing a hat, and there's ladies on there, I take off my hat. I, my mother told me to do that. And that's the flesh, you know, but it, it's, good, it's good manners. But I got on an elevator in Los Angeles. Two women were on there, and I took my hat off, and I listened to them. They were talking. I found out they were ERAs. I put my hat back on. <laughs> you know how it started? It's Adam's rib, Satan's fib, women's lib. That's the way it came down to us. So, but I, I was taught manners, and there's a school in in Nashville, Tennessee, called Ward-Belmont. I used to go with a girl there, sneak her out of the dormitory, which wasn't, not supposed to do that, but they teach them manners. <laughs> and she said, actually, they teach them how to hold a teacup. And if that little finger isn't in the right place, brother, you are wrong. You are a social outcast. Man, you're a boor. You, you, you ought not to be there, even. And... Oh, that's fine. But listen to this. You can take the flesh. You can do wonders with it. You can educate it. You can give it manners. You can send it even to the moon. You can do wonders with the flesh. But when you have done all of that, it is still flesh. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. 
And the trouble today is that we're calling Christianity this matter of, of uh, well, we are going to improve ourselves, my friend. That's not Christianity at all. Uh, you can't improve this old nature. The, what is the Christian life? How'd you get saved? Christ. What is the Christian life? Paul says, for me to live is Christ. It's to live him out. There's no, there are no rules and regulations. These how-to books are no good. Uh, a friend of mine's written a book, Ten, Ten Rules So You Can Have a Perfect Marriage. I know the brother that wrote the book. He does not have a perfect marriage. And if you want to know the truth, I do not have a perfect marriage. I don't have a perfect... I'm so tired of people with per this psychological thing today, getting things perfect. I don't have a perfect marriage. You'd be surprised how many times my wife is wrong. <laughs> you can't have... You can't have a perfect marriage when your wife is wrong. And you'd be surprised how many times I'm wrong. But listen, we have a good marriage. We've had a good marriage. Now, I tell you, nearly 50 years now, and I'm not ready to trade her in. <laughs> I don't like all this this gap that's being given out as Christianity today. Christianity is to live out Christ, is to do what he wants me to do, not a bunch of rules. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments, if you love me. And I think if Simon Peter said, but we don't love you, he just said, forget the commandments. The important thing is to have a relationship with him. That's the important thing in Christianity. And so here, that which is born of the flesh, it's always flesh, it always will be. But that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And that's the reason we need the new nature. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. Not just a few little habits, but new relationships. I'm not now joined to a, a religious system. I'm joined to him. I'm joined to Christ. He's the one I'm to please. I'm not to please a group of elders and deacons, and I have a board. I don't try to please that board I've got in radio. I'm trying to please the Lord. That's so much more important. And so, listen, it's so much easier to do. So much easier to do. Oh, my friend tonight, to be able to try to please him, in the life that you live. Now, let me move on. We're going to be here till 12 o'clock if we keep this up. Now, will you notice, he says, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. And by this time, Nicodemus has lost the mass of a ruler of the Jews. In fact, he doesn't have any more mass. Now the Lord Jesus is talking to him. The wind bloweth where it listeth, thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, whither it goeth, so is every one that's born of the Spirit. Weatherman said last night, it'd rain all day today and be cloudy all day, but he forgot about the wind would blow these clouds out. Our weatherman out, out on the west coast, the, the best one we have out there, older man, he taught uh, this business in college. And he can admit that he's wrong. And he gets on the radio every now and then. He gave us an onshore wind as a, as a prognostication for six days. He was wrong for six days. And he came on and he said, you know you can't tell which way the wind's going to blow. <laughs> Interesting. The weatherman said that, but the Lord Jesus said it ahead of him. The wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, thou canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth, so is every one that's born of the Spirit. Now, I can't tell you how this is done. I can't tell you about a natural birth. I don't know all about it. 
And I don't know all about the spiritual birth, but I sure do know when it's taken place. I've seen men and women transformed and changed. I met a hippie down in, in Boca Raton several years ago. I never saw a character like that. And I went, he accepted Christ. And, and I, I didn't believe. I said, Lord never can change that man. I came down the next year and he met me and he shook hands with me and I didn't know him. The haircut nice, uh, business suit on. He's a businessman. He's a banker in Boca Raton. This, this hippie, he got converted. All I know, friends, is that if you've been born again, it's going to make a change in you. And if it doesn't, something's wrong. Now, will you notice? Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Poor little old Nick is talking now. Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Uh, that's general rebuke to, to this man, but very gentle. Our Lord would never have been harsh with him. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know and testify that we, we have seen and you receive not our witness. Now let me drop down. Remember, he's giving this now to Nicodemus for the first time. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now listen, this is our Lord's first trip to Jerusalem after he began his ministry. He reveals to Nicodemus that night his cross, and he did not reveal it to his own disciples until six months before he went to Jerusalem to die up yonder in Caesarea Philippi, six months before he went down to Jerusalem, he announced to them he was going down there to die. And they didn't believe him. They couldn't believe him. Far be this from thee, Lord. This is not going to happen. But at the very beginning of his ministry, he revealed it to this man Nicodemus because Nicodemus knew the Old Testament. And our Lord said, as Moses lifted up the serpent, and you remember that serpent, speaks of sin, and when the people looked at that, they were healed. Then the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross was made sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And to look to him is salvation, my beloved, to look to him. Nicodemus got it that night, right at the very beginning, and then he gave to him John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Now notice, God didn't save the world by love, did he? God so loved the world, if he could save the world by love, he loves the world, but he didn't save the world. God so loved the world, what did he do? He gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, I'd like to follow this through, and it won't take me but about five minutes. Did Nicodemus accept Christ that night? Did he turn to Christ that night? We have two references to him after this. One is in the seventh chapter of the Gospel of John, verse 50. The Pharisees now have broken with him. The Sanhedrin has met and decided upon his death. And there was one man in the group that lifted his voice against it. Verse 50. I'll just lift out this one verse. Nicodemus saith unto them, He that came to Jesus by night being one of them, Doth our law judge any man before it hear him and know what he doeth? You say, well, that's just a weak uh, defense. I grant you it's a weak defense, but that's all of the defense he could make. But isn't it an interesting defense? Our law says you can't judge a man until you hear him. Why don't you go see him some night? Why don't you go and have an interview with him some night and find out about him? Don't judge him until you've known him. And Nicodemus had met him. Now, 
we come to the place where we know Nicodemus has come to know him. Over in the 19th chapter of the Gospel of John, the Lord Jesus has died on the cross. Where are the disciples? They've all fled. They're afraid. Verse 38 of chapter 19. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. He came therefore and took the body of Jesus. Now listen to this. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes about a hundred pound weight. And you know, when I read that, I feel like standing up and cheering. Thank God Nicodemus is out in the open now. The disciples have fled. Who comes out? Joseph, who'd been a secret disciple, comes out in the open now. And Nicodemus comes out in the open. Now, I say this reverently, but the, the undertakers who handled the body of Jesus was Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. Now, he, uh, Nicodemus brought a hundred pounds of myrrh, and believe me, that was very valuable. That was a very valuable thing. And how was it used? Well, they wound the body in linen. I don't want to go into this, but it is the belief now of certain scholars that Israel either learned or taught the embalming down in Egypt that was used, that they were the ones, at least they knew all about it, and that's the way they buried. So they would wrap a finger with the linen and then rub that uh, myrrh in. It's like glue. It would seal the body. The other finger, the other finger then the hand, then the arm, and then bind it to the body and, and wrap the body. And that's the reason John said that when he came and looked in the tomb, although he hadn't seen Jesus, he saw the grave clothes lying and the napkin, and that is the headpiece, just as if he was in it, but he was gone. And he knew he couldn't come out of there without being raised from the dead. You see, you couldn't come out of that without tearing all of that linen off. But these two men are the two men that handle the body of Jesus. This I don't know, but I believe it took place. These two men, especially, uh, I, I, I suspect, spent at least three or four hours in wrapping the body of Jesus. Uh, they are outstanding men, both of them. Do you think they talked to each other? I think they did. Uh, what do you think they talked about? I think Nicodemus told Joseph about the night that he went to see Jesus. He says, you know, Joseph, that night I went to see him. He told me, he said, as Moses lifted up that serpent in the wilderness, he says, I'm going to be lifted up. And he says, I understand now what that means. He says, you see those awful awful wounds in his hands. He said, he bore those for me. Just as Moses was lifted up the serpent, he's been lifted up and he was made sin for me. And you see that awful gash in his side there? Well, he, he was wounded for my transgressions and bruised for my iniquity. He took my place. Nicodemus, I think, came to the Lord Jesus Christ. He knew now the meaning of it all. And this man, I think that when the church met that day, uh, yonder for the first time, and the Holy Spirit came upon that group, I think that this man, Nicodemus, was there and was included in the church, regenerated by the Spirit of God, indwelt by the Spirit of God, baptized by the Spirit of God, and brought into that body of believers, the church. This man, a perplexed Pharisee, came to Jesus by night, and our Lord dealt with him. Just as he wants to deal with you and me, he wants to remove every 
every vestige of any kind of a mask that you wear. You know, we wear masks today. Every businessman wears a mask. He, uh, he has a mask that he wears when he goes to work. He's the boss, you know. And when he walks in, everybody says, here comes Mr. Jones. And they all get busy and go to work. And uh, he walks in, and they say, that's Mr. Jones. And uh, they don't really know him. He goes out to his club at noon, and they all call him Bill and ask him how business is. And he says, oh, it's so great. He's, uh, he's just Bill with them, but that's a mask. Not real. A lot of people are wearing them today. But when he goes home at night, parks his Cadillac in the driveway and goes in, closes the door and sits down in that big chair. His wife comes over and puts an arm around his shoulder and says, What's the matter, Bill? Is business rotten? He says, It's rotten. He's told everybody else outside it was good. Is he a liar? No, he just wears masks, just like people are wearing today in our culture today. But when you come to Jesus, you'll have to take off every mask you got and come just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me and that thou bidst me come to thee. O Lamb of God, I come, I come. The woman that wrote that song came to Jesus 3 o'clock in the morning because she was a famous singer in, in uh, England. And that night a young preacher had told her that you have a marvelous voice and God could use it if you would come to Jesus. But he told her, he says, you'll have to come just like any harlot on Soho. And she said, you insult me. And she walked away. But that night, Charlotte Elliott got out of bed at 3 o'clock and wrote that song, Just As I Am, without one plea. And she came to Christ. She had to remove all of her mask. She's no longer a singer. She's no longer famous. She's a sinner coming to Christ. Is that the way you've come to him? If you haven't come that way, you haven't come. <laughs> if you're wearing a mask, no good with him. You'll have to take it off. I trust tonight that if you're here, you've never trusted Christ, you'll trust him. Take off your mask. Tell him just who you are. And he'll save you. He'll save you. That's all you'll have to do. Shall we pray? I wonder... And I'm through when I have this prayer. I'm not interested in anything at all, but I would like to help you. If you're here tonight and you've really never trusted Christ, that is, you've never taken the mask off. You've tried to deal with him, but on your terms. You deal with him on his terms. Peter said, there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He's the only one that can say, No man cometh to the Father but by me. If you come that way. With our heads bowed, God's people here praying for you, would you like to lift your hand and say, Preacher, remember me in this prayer, this closing prayer, because I want to trust the Lord Jesus the best I know how. I want to trust him. Are you here tonight? Just like to lift a hand? I'd like to remember you in the closing prayer. Yes, I see you. Oh, I see several hands. God bless you there. Yes. Yes, I see your hands. God bless you. Here to my left. Yes. God bless you. God bless you. Here to my right. Just lift your hand. Here to my right, all the way back. Just lift your hands if you're here. I see your hand over here, brother. God bless you, sir. Is there another? Is there another here tonight? Yes, I see your hand back there. Yes, sir, I see your hand. Just lift it and put it down again. Yes, I see your hand. God bless you. My. May the Lord bless all you folks that are making this decision. And I trust you'll talk to Skip after the service tonight. Don't wait any longer. Talk to him about this decision that you've made. Our gracious, loving Father God, we thank you tonight 
that you have spoken to hearts and lives here in our presence. We do not know the heart. We can only see the hand. But you know them, and we pray that you will make, by the Holy Spirit, make the Lord Jesus real in all of his saving power. And may they now take that step of coming and talking to Skip about this decision. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And now may grace, mercy, peace, and love for God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the triune blessing of our triune God, be and abide with you and God's children everywhere evermore until Jesus comes and the shadows flee away. Amen.